Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and I'm privileged today to be joined by the Johnny Erickson Tata, who you probably already know from her many books as well as her ministries that she has uh, just had an amazing testimony around the world to encourage people to grow in their faith. Um, I've I've followed your ministry for, it seems like, decades now, uh, Johnny, and it's really a privilege to have you as a part of, uh, of the broadcast. Thanks for being a part, part of the many voices for that one message. Oh, thank you, Adam. And of course, greetings to all your listeners. And um, wow, I think I was interviewed on Song Time. We're talking about decades ago, Yes, Um, but that might age me. So I'm glad to know that you have so many new followers and young followers, and I'm glad I can uh, maybe speak some encouragement into their hearts. Yeah, our founder, Dr. John DeBrine, started the ministry uh, almost 60 years ago. So uh, you weren't one of the first interviews I'm sure he ever did. (laughs) No, no, no. But But I do remember John and his heart for the hymns. And Mm -hmm. when I would travel up in the New England area, I would tune into song times at night. Oh, it was so invigorating. So thanks for carrying on the legacy. Well, it's our privilege, really is an honor to to continue that legacy and to promote the gospel. Uh, our motto here is many voices, one message. And you are uh, one of those many voices uh, with so many others promoting the gospel. Your ministry really stands out. And I think it has to do with your story, your testimony, and how God has used you as a, a reminder of God's faithfulness, even in the midst of great suffering, which is the core of the book that we're actually going to be discussing today. Uh, not just uh, songs and hymns, but also uh, songs of suffering. That's the title here. Uh, 25 Hymns and Devotions for Weary Souls. Um, I can't think of a, a better a better uh, source to talk about this subject than you, and it's been really the core of your ministry for, for many years. Tell us a little bit about how this book and devotional came about. Well, um, I am one of those weary souls, Adam. I know uh, that your listeners can probably hear my smile, but it is hard fought for. Uh, my joy in the Lord Jesus is, uh, well, I've got a battle for it every single day because of my quadriplegia, uh, 55 years living in a wheelchair, and I've developed chronic pain over the years, and two battles against stage three cancer, and uh, my lungs took a hit from COVID recently, so uh, if our friends listening hear a graveliness in my voice, you'll understand and be patient with me, but I am one of those weary souls, but my joy is hard fought fought for, and that means my joy is so deep, so profound, so satisfying and fulfilling, it just overflows into song. Um, uh, I think it's the book of James where uh, the writer tells us, if any of you is happy, let him sing. And indeed, I'm a happy person, Uh, weary, but very happy because Mm. of the satisfying grace of my Savior. And so, this book, Songs of Suffering, is an overflow of my heart because Adam, in the middle of the night when I cannot uh, sleep, and um, sleep doesn't come easily for me because of my uh, disability and pain, Um, I always enjoy talking to the Lord Jesus and kind of like whisper singing to him, um, hymns of of, uh, confidence, of trust, of worship. Just the other night, um, I couldn't get to sleep 2 a.m., and I'm singing, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the 
joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. And just going on and on, verse after verse. And uh, that's how I keep my joy, singing my way through suffering. So I wrote a book about it. Mm. I, obviously, you know, if people know your story, they know that you've been through suffering. You shared a little bit about that, but that's just the tip of the iceberg of, of some of the challenges that you've been through. And yet the songs that you're singing have been around for a long time, even before you and your suffering. Uh, some of them have really been for generations a comfort to the church in a lot of varied different sufferings. Absolutely. And when the church sings its worship to the Lord Jesus, um, it should reflect biblical truth. And indeed, there are some very good contemporary hymns uh, that I think are worthy of that, uh, that honor. But there are also old hymns, beautiful hymns, rich hymns, um, whose stanzas speak about heaven, uh, whose stanzas uh, include reflections on death and dying. Don't hear much about that these days, but um, the old hymn writers spoke about these hard things. I'm thinking of the hymn, Whatever My God Ordains Is Right. Not too many churches sing that anymore, but it is filled with such great doctrine of God's sovereignty as expressed in Ephesians chapter 111. Um, the stanza that goes, uh, whatever, whatever my God ordains is right, though now this cup in drinking may bitter seem to my faint heart. I take it all unshrinking. My God is true. Each morn anew, sweet comfort yet will fill my heart and pain and sorrow shall depart. Mm. You know, when you sing that or even recite it to yourself, to your soul, it forges iron into your faith. And hymns should do that. They should, they should make our souls vigorous and great. They should be worthy of the gospel that we profess to be ours, uh, once delivered to the saints. We, we, we look for hymns that reflect the value and the preciousness of our Savior. Um, and, of course, that's full-orbed, isn't it? Mm. It's not only joy and happiness and gladness. It is pain. It is sorrow. It is death. So uh, I'm a big advocate of the hymns of the faith, both contemporary good hymns. There are a few. And, of course, uh, ancient hymns um, uh, um, written back in, what, the Dark Ages even, uh, and also uh, hymns from, let's say, the 16th, 17th centuries, um, which reflect that kind of, uh, have that kind of weight of glory, as it were. Uh, mm -hmm. those, those are the kind of hymns that are worthy of a redeemed soul to sing. When talking about the the variety of songs, we often think of praise songs as the uplifting, the reminders of talking about the glory and the wonders of God. But when you look across and you see all these hymns that deal with suffering, you can also look at the Psalms and see much of the Psalms are laments and sorrows and, and frustrations and even imprecatory Psalms. It does deal with a lot more emotions than just the, the joy and gladness. Absolutely. Uh, I think a good worship song or a good hymn should always start with some attribute of God. We are praising him. We are blessing him for some marvelous attribute of his, his holiness, his justice, his purity, his love, his compassion, his tender loving kindness, his, his mercy. I mean, the, these are the kinds of, uh, these are the kinds of things that, that hymns should uh, speak of. And, 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 and when we choose a worship song or a hymn uh, during the course of the day, I think all of us should ask God to put a song in our heart 
um, it should be a, a rigorous, a, a vigorous song that reflects some attribute of God's. And indeed, uh, the, the, the Savior that we laud and magnify was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He took on our infirmities and his soul was filled with pain. And so, of course, there are going to be hymns that speak to that, but they're not morbid. Those hymns are never morbid. They're always uplifting because they speak of the reality of us as Christians. You know, we, we live in an American culture that celebrates, um, oh, ease and comfort. And so many of us Christians, we don't know what to do with suffering. We want to drug it or escape it or ignore it or watch TV to forget about it or divorce it or do anything but actually live with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, these solid old hymns um, usually include references to uh, pain and sorrow um, that, I don't know, resonates with, with, with honesty, with integrity, with, with reality, with truth, the truth of the way life is. Life is hard. Oh, but God is good. Mm. There's something special about music that resonates with the soul. Um, they say that a, a picture paints a thousand words, but uh, a poem paints a thousand pictures. There's something special about music that speaks volumes to who we are. It connects with our very fibers, and in that regard, it deals with the emotions that we often feel. We can we can resonate with this, these even more than we could resonate with narratives. These these psalms and reflections of how people actually feel uh, they help us put our own feelings and emotions in perspective. Yes, 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 I totally agree. Um, because uh, we, we remember uh, words better when they are put to music. Uh, we, we usually uh, memorize lists, let's say, in a musical pattern. Uh, even a child will sing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's a way of being able to quickly memorize um, facts. And of course, there are many wonderful facts in the Word of God, rich doctrine. But when we commit hymns to memory, uh, then we are more easily able to grasp those powerful doctrines uh, when they are put to musical pattern. Um, I, I, I love to think about heaven, Adam, and so I've memorized a whole bunch of hymns about heaven. And one of my, one of my favorites is uh, when we all get to heaven. And I love this line. Uh, while we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, whew, not a shadow, not a sigh. And, and I, 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 I love that I can easily have that truth on the tip of my tongue mm. because I have memorized it in song uh, with mm. that beautiful hymn, When We All Get to Heaven. So uh, if our listeners do not uh, know many hymns, uh, I would suggest uh, having them uh, crack open a hymnal and use it as a prayer book. Mm -hmm. Use the stanzas of these great hymns I mentioned a moment ago. Um, uh, Jesus, I am resting, resting. What a beautiful recitation. What a beautiful liturgy to give praise and glory to Jesus just by reciting uh, the stanzas of these rich hymns. Mm. You make this point in the introduction of your book that uh, we need to memorize these hymns. We need to hide them in our hearts. Uh, we often emphasize the importance of 
of memorizing scripture or even uh, listening to the pastor's sermons and trying to trying to you know meditate, maybe take notes so that you can meditate on the sermon later. But why are hymns so important? Why are the songs that we sing in our worship so important for us to hide in our hearts? Well, there were there are going to be dreary, sad days. There are going to be days when your faith is so tried, so tested, uh, that you feel like throwing in the towel. You you just feel like giving up. You just can't take another step. Um, and when you have a hymn memorized, tucked away in the back of your heart, the Holy Spirit will bring it forward, and you'll have something that you can grab a hold of. Um, of course, Scripture is always ideal and most important, but again, because um, hymns have a, a melodic uh, feature to them, um, you know, the, the tune to lyrics, it's more easily to pull forward from the back of your heart. And it's so good on those days when you feel like throwing in the towel to have a rich, wonderful hymn. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee. Oh, that's a good one when you're feeling discouraged. And let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flows be for me a double cure, Lord Jesus. I need it today. I really need it. Save from your wrath and make me pure. Please make me pure, Jesus. And that's a way to to work your way up out of the miry pit of discouragement by rehearsing truths you know to be true. Mm. And uh, those hymns help uh, capsulize those truths and, and an easy to grasp, easy to recall, easy to remember way of voicing uh, that prayer to God, that need to God. Mm. This is uh, a memory that popped into my head recently of my time when I was in Bible college and uh, interning at a church, the pastor was sending me to a nursing home every Sunday to preach and sort of hone the craft of preaching. And one of the things that I noticed is that although many of them were unable to even retain new information, uh, many of them were struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's, whenever we sang a hymn uh, or recited Psalm 23, they would perk up and they would, they'd be able to recite it with us, or they'd be able to sing the hymns with us. And what I was thinking about recently is how important that is. You know, someday I'm going to be old, and I'm thinking about how much all the things that I'm doing in this life and all of the things I'm taking in over the course of my own spiritual walk, what if it is actually going to stick to the bones? Yeah, uh, what is it, absolutely. What if it's going to be so deep in my psyche that if somebody brings it up, references up when my mind is gone, that I can recall it in clarity? And so I love this book because you're encouraging people to hold these things that have already withstood the test of time and are worth really putting into the very fiber of our being. Absolutely. And as you spoke about your ministry in nursing homes, I was thinking of a couple of YouTube videos that I have seen of uh, people who have gone into memory wards and uh, spoken with uh, individuals who are struggling with Alzheimer's and uh, they, they can't connect to reality. Their memory is, is faded, but yet when amazing grace is sung, you're right. It's amazing how so many of these people, um, their minds have, have, have programmed the patterns of truth through music. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why uh, I'm such a fan of memorizing uh, hymns, because the doctrine then stays ingrained. And it might not stay ingrained were it not for the musical pattern. 
And so uh, our friends who struggle with Alzheimer's or memory loss can be a good example to us that when we get older, and certainly when I get older, Adam, I want someone to be able to start singing Faith is the Victory, and then I can I can ch- chime along with them. <laughs> mm. It's all it's also important to make sure that we are selecting the right content to store in our memory banks. You talk about this too, where you're working at getting out some of the 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 non-essential songs that you memorize and replace them or rewriting your memory with songs that are going to last you're preparing yourself in a sense for the time when you're going to really need solid meat to 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 bite into in times of suffering oh adam bingo you just hit the nail on the head because all of us are guilty of giving over the precious real estate of our brain cells to the stupidest things <laughs> Uh, commercial jingles. I mean, I, I can remember commercial jingles from the 50s oh, yeah. and the 60s. I mean, <laughs> ask me about any Beatle uh, top 40 hit, mm-hmm. and I can recite to you the words of all the Beatle songs, Beach Boys, oh my goodness, I know them all by heart. And somewhere along the line back in, I don't know, right before I married 40 years ago, I thought, why in the world am I tucking away all this nonsense into my head? It does me no good. In fact, when I do sing it, when an old Beach Boy hit or a Joni Mitchell song uh, floats to the surface of my mind and I start singing it, it dulls my spirit. It dampens my soul. Why do I want that? And so uh, through this book, Songs of Suffering, uh, I hope it'll be a way of helping people to reprogram, Mm -hmm. recalibrate their minds so that when they do have a day of discouragement or sorrow or or pain or trial, their minds will default to hymns mm-hmm. and not to commercial jingles or Beach Boy songs or Led Zeppelin or no, no. Let let's 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 sweep out our brains, let's clear out the junk, and let's uh, give it a good dusting and start repopulating uh, our brain cells with good, rich hymns and worship songs, contemporary, uh, timeless, con- timeless contemporary hymns that. Um, just will provide such comfort and encouragement when we need it most. Mm. I still remember the phone number of uh, Empire Carpet in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> All these, I, oh so yeah, I oh yeah. Long I don't Beach even know Freeway, my, yeah. right, right. I've, I've got, I've got. Let's see here. It is Long Beach Freeway, Firestone Exit, Southgate, Pete Ellis Dodge, Long Beach Free. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. I just hate that jingle. Yeah. So you know, anyway, it's probably the. It's probably the one that's still sticking way in the back of my head, but I'll get it out of there sooner or later. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you what my wife's phone number is, but I know the phone number for uh, Empire. I don't even know if they're still in business. That was so many years ago. <laughs> uh, well, it, case in point, I bet everyone is nodding and laughing with us because yeah. we all are guilty of, uh, of everything from, uh, I don't know, um, rock and roll songs to uh, commercial jingles. So there you go. But you've provided in this devotional, you know, I really think it's much more than a devotional. I mean, it's a, it's a hymn book. You have the music in here as well. So you could use this as a family devotional, which we strongly encourage always on our broadcast for our listeners to, to do this as not just an individual, but do it with their family. Um, but you're also providing a sort of curated list of songs that have withstood the test of time and are necessary. You're asking our listeners to say, what are what are we taking in and what is actually going to last what is what is measured by gold and gold and what is really just chaff that's going to be blown away with the wind you've curated uh, 25 songs that are a list that people can hold on to 
especially in anticipation of suffering and trials that are ahead. Yep, yep. Uh, each hymn that I selected for this book, Songs of Suffering, contains at least one powerful biblical truth that has really blessed me in my suffering. Um, for instance, I chose the hymn, Faith is the Victory. Well, w- what does that mean? Well, First John chapter 5, verse 5 says, And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who then overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and so, in Songs of Suffering, I share a story of how my confidence um, how, how my confidence is, uh, is bolstered by these rich hymns. And I want the reader to discover how rich these stanzas are and how they can speak to them individually and what they can learn and how they can apply that truth, apply that doctrine. And, uh, and, and really, when I wrote the book, I wanted to engage people in the discipline of memorization. Um, as we just said a moment ago, we memorize so many things that are silly. Um, but there is such value to memorizing scripture, memorizing the stanzas of, of good, solid, uh, doctrinally rich hymns that can supply you with exactly what your soul needs uh, when you are weary, when you are worried, when you are sorrowful, when you are feeling strong and want to praise the God effervescently. And, uh, and, and so that's why I wrote the song. I really want to engage people in the discipline of memorizing biblical truth mm. through a musical pattern. Hmm. I think a lot of our listeners would say that this would be a great resource, a great devotional to read if they're currently going through suffering, and I would agree with them. But what we've been talking about here is the fact that what we really ought to be thinking about, which we often overlook, is preparing for suffering because we know that it's going to be coming around the corner. And that's something that's a lot harder for people to anticipate because we never prepare for the days when we're going to be struggling or need uh, need these truths. We often react as opposed to uh, preemptively prepare. Uh, Adam, it's why I think my I think of my dying days every day. Every hmm. day, every day I wake up and throughout the day, sometime during the day, I'll think about my death. Hmm. I will handle it. I will hold it close. In so doing, I take the fear out of it. I defang it of its terror. Hmm. And so we need to do that not only with death, but we need to do that with suffering, accidents, um, the death of a loved one, uh, unexpected divorce, and just in a family. I mean, just the sorts of things, I don't, I don't mean to sound morbid, I'm not being morbid, but I am being realistic. We're all going to die. We're all going to suffer. At one point in our lives, we're all going to become disabled as we age. So let's prepare for that time. Let's let's handle those sorrows now and anticipate how we might respond. Ask God to strengthen our hearts and stretch our souls um, to give us the you know the, the handles that we can grasp uh, when future assaults come that test our faith. Mm. And so uh, yeah, I do that every day. I, I think at some point during the day I think about my death and it takes the terror out of it takes the fear out of it. That's Actually, it's what I do with my pain. Um, I'm not anxious about my pain. As terrible as it gets, and as woe-be-gone as my expression might be, I'm not terrorized by it. I'm not anxious by it. It doesn't worry me because I've got Bible promises. This is why uh, 
standing on the promises of Christ, my King is in the book. You know, I'm a big believer in God's promises. And one of those promises is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, that we are hard-pressed on all sides. We're not, we're not crushed. Mm-hmm. So even though my pain is a difficult thing to think about, I force myself to think about it and remove the terror of it uh, just by singing about it and uh, getting myself ready for those times when uh, fears might assault me, but I can always combat them with uh, a good hymn. I think about that in the context we often avoid suffering. We often avoid even thinking about suffering because it takes us to a very dark place. And I'm, I'm really intrigued by what you said because it reminds me of the Apostle Paul in many ways, but in particular in Philippians when he's writing to the church, he's imprisoned. And he's longing for suffering because of its unity that brings with him and Christ, what it teaches him. He's, he's gotten to a place in his life where he realizes that all of the suffering he's endured has actually helped shape him in his faith. Now, your testimony really is that of the Apostle Paul. You have been through um, insurmountable suffering that I think, I think a lot of your followers and our listeners would say, I could never... I would not be able to experience what you've experienced and have a positive outlook. But you have this testimony, like the Apostle Paul, that says, despite all my suffering, has actually helped me. It's been a grace of God in my life. Yeah. Well, pain is really rather relative, isn't it? Mm. I mean, we all have pain. We all experience it. It's the it's the lowest common denominator that binds us as human beings uh, together. So we all have stories of our pain, and I'm no exception um, pain is a horrible, unwelcomed guest, but it is a guest nevertheless. Uh, it's a severe mercy, um, but it is a mercy nonetheless. It's a bruising of a blessing, but but it's still a blessing. And I, I think my key, my what has helped me most in my suffering is my heart of gratitude. I've got a thankful heart that helps me frame every difficult circumstance as a kind of blessing from the hand of God, even if it's from the left hand of God, it's still a blessing. And gratitude provides the way for all of us to lean into the pain, to stand face to face with it and, and to not despair. I'm not talking about a like a, a romanticized, nostalgic, unrealistic detachment from suffering. No, I'm thinking, I'm talking about a, a thankful spirit that genuinely engages with Christ in the middle of your worst afflictions. And when you can cultivate gratitude like that, and of course, it is all based on whether or not you can trust God in the worst of your trials. Believe me, your thankful heart has resources to face pain without a hint of self-pity or self-focus. That is a discipline. It is cultivated. Um, Whether you're a, a quadriplegic like me or having a broken neck or whether you've got a broken heart or you're dealing with the, the, the pain of a broken home, and we all have brokenness, but, uh, but we can face it with confidence in Christ when we cultivate that grateful spirit, that, that heart of thankfulness. Hmm. God, you allowed this. You have permitted this in my life. You are sovereign. I do not doubt that. So somehow, some way, there must be some good here because y- y- you tell me in, in, in Jeremiah, um, oh, what is it? Uh, chapter 32. I will do good to my people with all my heart and my soul. Mm-hmm. 
And so there must be some good. I don't see it. I may not see it until heaven. But as Psalm 62 verse 8 says, I trust you at all times. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to move into the suffering and not be afraid of it or despair about it because God is sovereign. And if Jesus, oh my goodness, if he, if he died for us such a brutal, horrible, gruesome death, surely he's proved his intentions. Surely he, he's going to do what's good for us. If he loved us, loved us enough to die for us, certainly he can be trusted with the hard things. I know this isn't the first book you've written. You've written your story. You've written about your life. But in many ways, I, I think this book captures so much of your story because it's the culmination of all of the things that you've learned and leaned on throughout the years and delivered in such a unique devotional format with all of these songs that have comforted you. So for our listeners and uh, those who will pick up a copy of this book, what is, what is your hope of what they will, will see and the big picture that they'll receive in the context of these pages? Well, I think if readers pick up this book and slowly peruse the devotional reflections, um, if they would take the time to memorize at least some of the hymns that I've put here, um, my prayer, my objective and goal in this book is that they will fall in love with the Lord Jesus. They will find him so adorable, so, so worth trusting in the midst of hardship, so lovely, they'll find his gospel so beautiful, um, so excellent in his graces. I just, that's my goal, that people in this book will fall in love with Jesus Christ. And uh, I hope that came across when I wrote the book. Mm. Um, I love Jesus. He is just the best. And I just love it that I'm his friend. And uh, I just want to be a better friend. I don't want to be the same Johnny I was yesterday. I want to be a different Johnny today. So I'm always singing new hymns, <laughs> always going back into my hymnal and looking for some ones that I haven't memorized yet. So there's always something new to learn about Jesus Christ. And usually it is in our hardest times, our worst sufferings, when God reveals the most tender side of himself to us. Mm-hmm. So that's my goal, that people fall in love with Christ. Yes. To that end, could I ask you to pray for our listeners? And I'm sure many of them would would love to hear your prayers, especially for their sufferings, for their needs, and you know them uh, probably better than than anyone else, this types of suffering that many of our listeners are dealing with, and, and the hope that is found in, in the songs mm. that we sing. Absolutely, Adam. Thank you for inviting me to pray. And I want all our listeners to join their hearts with mine. Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, blessed Holy Spirit, our wonderful triune God, it is wonderful to think that all of you is for all of us. You are for us, never against us. You have no anger left for our sin if we are your children. All of your anger was poured out on Jesus Christ on his cross, and that means you have no anger left for us. And it means also that our love for the Lord Jesus is just magnified. We, we can't help but fall in love with your wonderful Savior, Father God, because he is just the best. And so I'm praying that my friends listening tomorrow morning when they wake up and they feel weary and they don't know how they're going to find the strength to make it to lunchtime, uh, if they feel embittered in soul or if they feel dry or calloused 
toward your word. I pray that you will vivify them, um, just bring life, enliven them uh, through this conversation and give them the grace needed to rise up out of their miry pit and hold fast to the promises of God, your word. And Father God, put a hymn in their heart tomorrow morning. Help them not to be ashamed of their weakness and failure, but let that be the platform from which your strength just shows up all the best. And so, Jesus, tomorrow morning, my friends listening, may they cleave, may they hold fast to your word, trusting that your strength will be theirs throughout the day. And whatever hymn they put on their hearts, I hope it is rich, I hope it is deep and profound in doctrine. I hope that they'll learn something beautiful about you, Lord Jesus. And at the end of the day, when they put their heads on the pillow, they'll be, re- be able to reflect on the morning and the afternoon and evening and give you all praise and glory and honor for you have shown up in their lives in a big way, which will then cause them to mirror back to you more glory, more thanksgiving, more gratitude. We do love you, Jesus. Oh, please, please, please help us to love you more. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen. We've been talking with Johnny Erickson Tata. Her book is called Songs of Suffering, 25 Hymns and Devotions for Weary Souls. I'm sure that many of our listeners have those songs already that they go to in those times of trials. We'd love to hear, what are the songs that that you reflect on when you're going through difficult times or or various circumstances, even uh, joyous occasions as well? We'd love to hear the sort of hymns that resonate in your soul. Johnny, it is a true privilege to have you on the broadcast. Uh, Once again, um, after decades, I'm sure it's a joy to hear your story and to share it with our listeners. Thank you again for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Oh, oh, Adam, thank you for giving me the honor to speak to your listeners. What a joy. Um, Much blessings to you as many more uh, followers join your podcast and enjoy, um, enjoy song time.